Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Welcome to the Way Church Service. I want to thank everyone for coming out tonight to get a portion of God's Word. Amen. Amen. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus. For making all this possible for us by going to the cross, becoming obedient unto death, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we could have a new life. Eternal life and spiritual life and a new purpose here on planet earth. We gather to learn about our creator and find our purpose here and use it to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a goal and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. Amen? God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we use it to see how God wants us to live, think, act, serve, and treat others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. I want to personally welcome each and every one of you to the way tonight. We depend on God's grace, thank God, not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please shut it off so it doesn't disturb tonight's service? And we will start off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father and Creator of all things, thank you, Lord, for entering into our lives, Lord, and giving us a new birth and a new life to all who believe in your Son, the Lord Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for getting us here all safely, Lord. I pray that you keep and protect each and every one of us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit and your mighty name, Lord. Help us, Lord, to just understand you more and more as we go into your word, to see how you want us to live and act and serve and treat others, Lord. And just thank you for our, our congregation and the people here, Lord. And just We're just so grateful for everything you do in our lives, Lord. Thank you for saving us and giving us a purpose. I pray for the people that can't be here, that you give them the understanding through the internet or through the phone lines to listen and see what the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight, Lord. I pray for our great nation, Lord, that you keep your hand upon it, Lord, for the sake of your chosen ones and your believers, Lord, so we could continue to bring other people into your kingdom, Lord, to glorify you, Lord, and honor you. And let everything we do tonight, as always, be led by your spirit, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. All right, so we already got started, right? The powers of hell ain't going to stop this, amen? Just because it's Halloween don't mean it's not church, amen? Church is way stronger than the devil, amen? Amen. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. We will not bow, amen? Amen. Amen. We got that right. It's going to take a lot more than that. I'm just grateful. How's everybody doing, all right? Better now, right? That's going to heat us up a little bit, right, as we uh, get started. That's right, that's right. It's good to see everybody, as always. 
All right, let us go to 1 John. 1. What is that verse 3, man? Verses 5 to 7. 5 to 7? All right. Yep, I locked it. We are, we are ready to go. We are good. You know it means that there's a special message to be going out there. The devil don't want it to go out on a night like this because we need this. Amen? Amen. People celebrate demons. We're celebrating Jesus tonight. Amen? That's right. If anybody, if they want to believe in that, they can, but they can't stop us from believing what we believe in. Amen? Amen. And we're going to celebrate that. All right, let's go to 1 John 1, verse 4. We'll start in verse 4. Apostle John. All right, so everybody all set now? We all focused in? We resettled? Thank you, Jesus. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Living in the light. This is the message we heard from Jesus. And now I'll declare to you, God is light. And there is no darkness in Him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Amen. But it says something very important in verse 7. It doesn't say, but if we are having the light. It says if we are living in the light. See, there's a lot of principles that people get misconceived about. Just believing in Jesus is not living in the light. That's You believe, but you're not living in the light until you actually become part of the light by what? Being a disciple, studying His Word, crucifying your flesh, and starting to walk with Him, like Him. Amen? You have to live in the light. First, you have to believe the light, which is Jesus, the light, the truth of God's Word. Then you have to what? Become a student and a disciple, then actually become what you believe. Amen? And that's the process we talk about here. Something that's misconceived in the, in the church all the time. Just like, just believe, and it's all set, and then just... No, there's a lot more to it. Amen? Amen. Belie- First you have to believe it to start the process. Then the Holy Spirit enters into the believer and starts doing the work inside of us. Right? It's like we start to become more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Amen? It's called transformation. And it says, if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. After we get saved, we have to admit we're not perfect. We still sin. We have to what? Still be able to what? Go to Jesus. Lord, I can't do this. I'm trying to live in the light, but the darkness keeps trying to take over. The darkness is my sin nature. It keeps trying to take me out of this new nature. 
How many of us still have that struggle? Well, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Why are you not in heaven? Why are you not like all of a sudden transformed and living like Jesus? Because it's a process. We have to develop into that. Amen? He simply gives us the ability to do it now. Well, we never had the ability to do it before. So we have to understand that. Then it says, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar. Calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. Because once you believe, your heart's open and his word becomes life. And if you don't want to go in his word, that means that you're claiming that you don't need him. Without his word, we're nothing. His word is truth and life. Amen? That was a great scripture. Right now, the world is celebrating darkness. <laughs> right now, we're celebrating the light. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Amen? For that. I know because at one time I was trapped in all that. I didn't know what the light was. Because I understood religion. But I understand what the light of God's truth was and how I was living in a lie. And now the unbelieving world is living in a lie and they're thinking it's time to celebrate something like that. Ghouls and goblins and death. Amen? But we're here celebrating life. Amen, Amen to that. Thank you, Jesus. But you look. How many people are here and how many people are celebrating the darkness? That's after you understand how much the devil has the blinders on people. Instead of saying, I'm running to church tonight. Because I don't want the devil's the demons following me. They're actually calling the demons to come. And guess what? The demons are coming. <laughs> Just like they try to come in tonight, right? And shut us down. Not exactly. Jesus is stronger than the demons. Amen? Amen. He protects us with the light of his truth. And thank you, Jesus, for that. All right, we're going to continue on wholeheartedness, okay? We talked about three things before, last time we got together, about becoming a believer, okay? It, we, we believe in the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we understand that the human being is made up of three things, right? Which is the body, the spirit, and the soul. And when you become whole, all three are operating in the light. Not just your mind and your thought process. You're actually living and believing it and you're actually walking in it. So now you become whole now. Spirit, soul, and what? Body are actually like Christ. That's what we're becoming like. First we have to get that belief into our mind. And then it has to what? Become part of us. And then we have to what? Live out what we believe. And that's what the Trinity is. That can't be separated though. See? Churches think you can separate that. You can't separate that. Okay? You will become what you believe if you truly believe it. Can I get an amen for that? There's no way that you won't because even me personally, all the times that sometimes I don't want to do it, it's like I cannot not do it. I have to come. I have to do it. I'm like possessed by the light now. Even though my flesh wants to go into the darkness, it the light pulls me back in. Before the darkness used to pull me, now the light's pulling me. So now I know something happened. I can't stay in the dark anymore. Can I get an amen for that? And we know the struggle. We know that we're not perfect. The whole thing of it is, but what direction are we going in? Is what we're talking about here. Becoming a disciple is hard work. It's easy just to say, I believe it. 
But then to transform and become a new creation? Oh my goodness. What a, what a process. I didn't know how strong my stubborn, my flesh really was until I was told to get rid of it. Can I get an amen for that? Because Jesus said in John, which we're in the book of John in our daily walk, which is awesome, ain't it? We're already going to be almost going into the book of Acts. It's awesome. Jesus said, you must be born again. So we have to be born again in spirit and in truth. Remember Nicodemus said, how the heck can I get an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? He was trying to think of it through an intellectual reasoning. How can I be born again when I'm already born? And Jesus says, you have to be born again spiritually. You have to believe in, my, in, my, in me and become something. All right. So we understand what belief is. We're just going to go through these three things and then we're going to get into it. Belief is to accept something as true, to feel sure of the truth of, accept the statement of someone as true. Okay? Have faith, especially religious faith. Feel sure that someone or something is capable of doing something. Now, disciple, which is becoming a student, or a disciple is one of the 12 personal followers of Christ. They call them the disciples. Then it was, it defines them as one of the 70 followers sent forth by Christ, like it says in Luke 10.1. Then it says, any other professed follower of Christ in his lifetime is a disciple. So you get born again, and now what? You stop becoming a follower of Christ, a disciple, how he teaches you to teach, and it says obsolete, to teach or to train, or to convert into a believer. See, you have to become a disciple to be converted into a believer. Can I get an amen for that? First you have to believe, then you're a disciple, and then you're converted into a believer. Can I get an amen? All right. Now we understand that. Now, becoming a believer is what we're talking about. Right now, we're coming to church. We're learning about Jesus. We know that we're saved and going to heaven. But now, he says, the next thing is to become like him. Amen? Become like him. Becoming a believer is like becoming a follower of Christ. A believer is a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? It's a follower of a particular religion or spiritual practice. Most believers have specific religious beliefs, but you can be a secular believer as well. For example, you might be a firm believer in socialist economic policies, you know, with the politics, or a believer in the benefits of homeschooling. Basically, anyone who holds a strong belief in the truth of something is a believer. One who accepts and assists. Okay, here's the difference. of Belief says you accept it. Okay? A believer says one who accepts and assists. You see? It's different than just accepting it. Now you're assisting. Now you're part of it. Look, and assist in spreading the doctrines of another, such as Christianity. Okay? Now that you just don't accept it, now you assist in spreading the good news to others. Amen? But you can't do that before you become a disciple. Can I get an amen? A disciple is a follower. First we have to learn on what we're going to what? But we're going to send out. A person who manifests devotion to a de deity. Someone who practices what they believe. So, a believer is someone who practices what they believe. A be somebody to believe something is to accept it as truth. There's no action involved. 
But a believer is someone who actually practices and accepts and assists in spreading the good news of what you're saved from. Amen? But first you have to get schooled. Here's what people do. They get saved and go out and hand tracks. Believe in Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Go, let's tell everybody we're going to heaven. Instead of really understanding what the Bible is trying to tell us and what we're to become like Jesus. So what am I going to do? Become like the devil and then go try to tell people about Jesus? No. First they have to see Jesus. And the only way they're going to see Jesus is if you become a follower or a disciple. Can I get an amen? There's so much more to being belief. You become what you believe. There's no way around that. Can I get an amen? You can't separate that. If you really believe it, you will become it. Now, you know it, you know it as well as I do, our flesh wars against it. See, we know that we have a fight against the flesh. But that does not mean that we're not going to overcome it. We are overcomers in Christ, the Bible says. So eventually, right, the spirit is going to win. Thank you, Jesus. I said eventually. How many are still struggling? How many struggle today? Thought, word, and deed. That's why we're not whole yet. We're not complete. Because we're still in the process of becoming one. Amen? Because when you become one, people see Jesus more than you. See, when you become a believer, they see Jesus. Then they say, wow, what happened? Well, first, this is what happened. First, I believed that Jesus could save me from not just my sin. See, everybody thinks, oh, he's saving me from my sin. No, he's saving you from your sin nature. Sin is, your, your, your whole body is sin. He's saving you from your sin nature. Not just one particular sin. Can I get an amen from that? You're a sinner in Adam. He's trying to save you completely. That's why you're going to be going born again. And your whole body has to die of that. Because you're infected with it. And that's the process of slowly dying in the physical life and being what? Risen in the spiritual life. How many fight with that? We're not talking about that. We know we fight, but a transformation has taken place where even though we're still fighting it, we're still doing it. We're still fighting in this battle, but we're still following Jesus. That's how you know that you, you can't not unbelieve. You know what I'm saying? Because if you believe it, it's going to happen whether you like it or not. Jesus said, I'm going to have my way with you whether you like it or not. You will come. <laughs> oh my God. If not, you can go either way. You could either walk by the eye or the rock. Keep getting corrected and corrected and corrected. And finally you say, okay, I know. i got to stay here. Or you just read the word of God and that convicts you enough to say, all right, this is the way I should go. And I'm going to walk in it. Amen? Put to death the deeds of the flesh. All right. Is everybody on board with me with this message? Thank you. I want us to go to John chapter 4. This, these, are, these, are, these are brand new. These just came to me tonight. I said, these are important. I said, wow, really? Because we're in the book of John, and this message is like tied right in with John. Oh my goodness. I'm looking at it and saying, wow. Look at verse 23 of um, John chapter 4. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad that the devil didn't shut us down. And I'm so glad that the power of Jesus kept us going because that just strengthens my belief Amen. that it can't be overtaken by evil. Amen. 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 
Because we know what just happened. We, we can't even... What just could happen? What just have to make that alarm go off? Like, think yeah. about it. Unless there's actual fire to set it off, yeah. well, somebody has to pull the handle down. Yeah. And let me tell you something. The principalities and powers of the air can do that. Because nobody else, did you? Did anybody here pull the handle? No, well, then we know it was demonic. And we know because I knew when I got up today there was going to be a fight to get this message out because it's called Halloween and it's full of evil. And you can just sense it out there. It's a pagan holiday. It's a pagan, exactly. And people who aren't believers are pagans. And they celebrate this like they wait for it like Christmas. And dress up like ghouls and demons and scary things. It's like, think about what you're doing. And think about what you're teaching your children to become. Yeah. Ghouls and goblins. And rising dead people. Instead of saying, you know what? We need to believe in a savior. you got my kid. We're believing in death. And the devil's got everybody thinking, oh, it's not harm with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course not. Because if we, if people knew that there was something wrong with it, they wouldn't do it. So the devil puts the blinders on him saying, oh, it's harmless. No, that's why there's so many things that happen on Halloween that aren't good too. Right? My mother used to tell me, watch out, somebody might put a razor blade in the apple. Or don't eat the candy if it's open. Why? Because people do evil things. (laughs) It's not all so good. Because if it was good, why would the parents have to come with them? Just let everybody out. Don't worry about it. If somebody was to walk in this door and the parents were to go home, they'd be safe. You send them out there and let the parents go home, they won't never be safe. Who knows what will come and grab them, right? Thank you, Jesus. All right, look at verse 23. But the time is coming, Jesus said. Indeed, it's here now. When true worshipers or true believers or true followers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What is spirit? You you believe in Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. What's truth? The Word of God. So you worship Him by living the Word of God. That's how truly how you worship Him, by obeying the Word of God. Then it says... The Father, listen to this one, is looking for those who will worship Him that way. You mean He has to look for them? Yeah, because there's not a lot of them that worship Him that way. They will, oh, I believe, and they what? Live their own way. Look, if you you truly believe, there's no way you could live your own way. It just won't happen. Then it says, listen to this one. For those who will worship him, that for God is spirit. And those, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? What does it say in, in Romans 12 too? Offer your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord. This is truly the way to worship. It's become him. I'll give your body to him. Or your life to him. How about an amen for that? Now, while we're in John... Let's go to John 9. These are, these are the things that just came to me, by the way. Let the Spirit speak, amen? If you, if you remember this, this passage, Jesus healed the guy who was blind. 
Jesus opened the eyes of a blind man in John 9. And they were asking, the Pharisees were asking him, but how did he do it? What happened? And he kept, and finally he got frustrated. And he says, do you want to become a disciple too? And they got mad, you're trying to teach us? And he said, in verse 31, now the blind man told the Pharisees, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners because they were calling Jesus, this man must be a sinner. He says, well, I don't know if he's a sinner. And he says right here, we, don't, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. So what does that mean? Listen, if you're living in sin and you are trying to get prayers answered, you are only deceiving yourself because God ain't listening. So don't think he is. He listens to righteous people's prayers. Not sinners' prayers. The sinners' prayers when you first come to believe. Then he says, I'm going to take away your sin nature. Now you're going to what? Live my way. And then I'll hear your prayer. Then it says right here. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and, what else the other one? Do his will. Wow, do you want God to listen to you? Do you want him to listen to your prayer? Well, he wants to hear you who worship him in spirit and truth and actually do his will. That's when the prayers get answered. They think, oh, I'm just going to pray and everything's going to come into place. No, it doesn't work that way. There's conditions attached to them. Okay, and the, and the, unbelie and the believers don't even get taught that. They think, oh, I'm just going to go and God's going to take care of it. A amen? Unbelievable. All right. <laughs> Are we getting this so far? All right. Let me, let me continue here now. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, so all of us who have had the veil removed, all of us that believe in Jesus, the veil's been removed, we understand it gave birth to our spiritual life, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, what's it say? Makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. How are you changed in his image if you just say, I believe it? No, you're changed in his image when you become a disciple and become a believer. Can I get an amen? amen. There's so much more to it. Right now, you're being a disciple. You're learning about the ways of God, and you're actually becoming the ways of God in your life. That's a process that takes place, and boy, it's a long process, isn't it? But that's how you have to understand. You have to give yourself some grace and some mercy, knowing that this transformation doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. But it happens. Wait a minute. Don't get me wrong. It happens. It does happen. If you truly believe, it will happen. Amen? Okay. All right. Let's just get into that. Oh, man. I'm. Let, let's... Uh... Last time we were talking about the wholeheartedness, right? It says, deny yourself, 
which we talked about, isn't just not eating chocolate. It's denying yourself, denying so, not something, it's denying someone. It's, it's, it's denying you the pleasures that your sinful nature craves. That's what it is. Denying your oneself. Okay? Then it says, taking up one's cross. When we speak of having to bear a cross, we are usually referring to some unpleasant or difficult circumstance with which we have to live with. Okay? But what Jesus meant was far more demanding than that. Jesus was clearly asking those who would follow him to count the cost and commit themselves in advance to give up their very lives. If faithfulness to him should require it. Once again, the text has an arrorist imperative, speaking of this as a definite event. But how many of us have done this? Only those who deny themselves and take up their cross will be able to do the last thing, which is follow me. The reason is simple. When we answer the call of Christ, life becomes both easier and harder. Can I get an amen for that? Easier because we know that heaven is our home. Harder that we know that we get the sin nature that we didn't think was so bad. <laughs> it's easier because of the blessings of God's grace, right? Going to heaven. But it's harder because we enter into unrelenting combat against our old selves. The fallen world around us, like we're seeing tonight, right? Yeah. Boy, you see how fallen the world is now, don't you? Around us in the schemes of the devil which just pull the fire alarm yeah. on us. Yes. We have to contend with that now. <laughs> Faithfully following Christ in this battle is possible only if we wholeheartedly put his will and interests ahead of our own. Can I get an amen for that? I didn't add regardless of the cost. Regardless of the cost. That's a choice you have to make. For as long as we retain our personal autonomy and seek to preserve our self-centered interests, while we're here, we won't be able to submit ourselves to his will when it conflicts with us. Get it? To deny, you have to deny yourself first. Because self-centeredness conflicts with his will. And as long as we value our physical survival more than his glory, we'll not be able to stand firm in the face of death. The martyrs, they were not giving up. They're saying, listen, we go home to heaven, it doesn't matter, kill me. God, you can't take my spirit. You can kill my body, but you can't take my soul. That's how positive they were they were going home to be with the Lord. Are you that positive? Are you going to be shrinking back? Oh, no, please don't hurt me. I'll not say Jesus anymore. I want to live. When you're a true follower of Christ, you'd rather go home and be with him than stick stuck down here. But when you're not a true believer, you value your life down here more and you'll deny Jesus for your own interests. And that's how spoiled this country is. There's other countries that they'll get their head cut off for Jesus. This country here, forget about it. So casual Christianity thinking that it's okay, just come to church and be so spoiled, and then when, it, when the push comes to shove, don't say nothing about Jesus. Amen. Amen? Well, I don't believe, that's not becoming a, that's not becoming a believer. 
That's being deceived. Because if you really believe that you're going home to be with the Lord and you're going to have an eternal home that's better than this, what do you care if you die here or not? You wouldn't care if you preserve your life down here because there's a better place, life coming. If you believe it. Correct? Amen to that. That's how you know. You can deceive yourself saying, oh, but I don't want, I don't want to die. I want to live. I want to live down here. This is hell for a believer. This is hell for a believer to live down here. We keep constantly crucifying our flesh and trying to deny ourselves, become like Jesus. When he said, look, let me just take you out of here. You don't have to suffer no more. Amen. See you later. Amen. I'll see you in heaven, brothers and sisters. Amen. Don't mourn for me. Glory. Because we know we're all going to be together again. Amen. See, if you believe that, if you don't believe it, say, please don't hurt me. No, I want to live down here so I can still make some money and do these things. No, no, not. If the only time you'd want to live down here is to get other people to heaven. That's it. Amen. And if you don't want to do that, then you don't want. Then, then that means you never believed it to begin with. Amen. Stop lying. Amen. We're here for a purpose. He saved us for a reason. He saved us from our sin nature. If you want to continue to live in it, then go back to it. You can't have both, though. And you'll know. How do you know? People go back to it. They go back into Egypt. Or you got the Christian that wants both. I still need my stuff down here, but I want this too. I'm real selfish because I want it all. I want my best life now and my eternal life later. I want an easy, convenient life now with a cozy nest of money so I can live comfortably here, then check out and say aloha, bye. <laughs> Heaven I go. What if he says, no, you're bankrupt, you've got no money, you've got to live in a tent, but I still want you to glorify me. Is that money important to you now? No. Who cares? <laughs> but if that's what you're holding on to, you'll never find your purpose here and why God saved you. Amen. Never. And if that's what's happening to you, check your heart with the Lord. Say, why can't I find out my purpose here? Because you're living for yours. That's why. You're still living for yours and you're coming to sit in church and saying, I love Jesus. No, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Amen. No, that's coming. Okay. Then what did Jesus mean when he said, follow me? He meant we should obey his commands and seek to walk as he walked, live as he lived. The essence of Jesus' commands in life was loving obedience to God and sacrificial service to one's neighbor, regardless of the personal cost. King David hit it right on the head when they offered, he said, I'm, the king said, I'm going to give you that nice offering for sacrifice. King David said, no, I'm not offering nothing to my God if it doesn't cost me something. That's the true believer. Yeah, a true believer will sacrifice anything for the cause of Christ. Doesn't matter what it is. Money, possessions, houses, cars, bank accounts. Doesn't matter. If that's what it takes to get, to get other people into the kingdom, you use them resources for it. Because he's the one who gave them to you for you to use. See, once you get born again, he gives you the resources to use for his glory. Not to keep for yourself. 
And then when you keep to yourself, you become a miserable Christian because you're doing what you want to do with what God gave you instead of doing what he wanted you to do what he gave you. You become a greedy, selfish Christian. Cheap. Should there be a cheap Christian? Never. Because the riches of his glory possess a believer. And his glory, whatever it is, you glorify him whatever you have. Because he's the one who gave it to you. He says if you try to hang on to that stuff, you will lose it. But if you give up that stuff for my glory, you'll keep it. See, once you we come into the sin nature and keep all and hoard all that, come up with, you never get comfortable with it. See, but when you're ready to give it up, God says you can even enjoy that. I'll give you that to enjoy as long as you're willing to give it up. He knows your heart. But it'll make you miserable if you want to keep it. He'll make you miserable with it. Always wondering what's next. When am I going to get my next money? Ooh, let me see what my invest. Let me look at all my stuff. Instead of looking to Jesus. That's the stuff that holds you back from worshiping him. It becomes an idol. Remember, you can't have, you can't be love money and God together. Don't think that you can. You're only lying if you think you can have both. You ain't getting both. The good Lord give it. The good Lord take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, right? When Jesus takes something off of you, you know what you say? Thank you, Lord, for letting me have it for that period of time. I enjoyed it, but now it's time to let go of it, and I enjoyed it while it was here. Glory be to God. See you later. Moving on. Next. But when, you're not a, when you don't really believe it, you never want to let it go. No, no, I got to take that. I got to hold on to that just in case something happens. That means you really don't trust God then if you're going to hold on to all that. And you say to yourself, do I really trust God? Remember, it puts it on the money in God we trust. Really? Or do you trust in the money? As a matter of fact, they want to take them off the money. Because they're not connecting God with money anymore. They're connecting greed with it. God said, that's staining my name, that money. Put my name on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Thus we are called to follow Jesus' precepts and example by living a life of holy love, striving for that perfection in love that begins in this world and comes to fullness in the world to come, where at last the image of God will be fully restored in us. Fully. Just imagine, we don't have to contend with that anymore, huh? Oh, my goodness. Now, such a life seems impossible when we consider our self-centeredness, our sin nature, and our weaknesses. And indeed, it is impossible apart from Jesus and his matchless grace and mercy that renews us every day. But Jesus knows how weak we are. Thank you, Jesus. And he has made the impossible possible for us through the gracious gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he's made it possible for us. Thank you, Jesus. Go to Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26.
His locked in right here. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, when I think how weak I am. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. You ever get on your knees and start to pray and say, I don't really know if this is what God wants me to pray for. I mean, I'm praying, but I'm really not sure if it's really what he wants, if that's what he wants me to pray for. But it says right here, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Like he knows our hearts. He knows that we have good intentions, in other words, even though it might not come out right. Thank God. You know? I don't know about you, but so, my prayer life sometimes gets like anemic. It's like it's like lack something. It seems like there's nothing there, no sustenance in it, you know. And there's sometimes when my prayers are really powerful, and they, but there's sometimes they're just like weak and like other things come into my head, and it's like. But the Holy Spirit is there. He helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus. Don't beat yourself up if that's what happens. Is what I'm trying to say. The Holy Spirit knows your heart. Now look what it says, and the Father knows, look, the Father knows all hearts, because sometimes we can't express our heart, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads, you know why our heart, because our sin nature gets away in the way of what's truly in our heart, that's why Jesus looks beyond our faults and he sees our heart, our sin nature blocks it, oh, sometimes you just want, mm. my heart wants to please God. But my sin nature makes me a slave to it. It's like, oh, please, Lord. But he understands. He says, listen, I'm going to help you overcome that. Just trust me. Relax. Don't get guilty and full of shame. Relax. I know it's weak. I'm going to strengthen you. Just trust me. But when you beat yourself up and feel shameful, you can't. there's no power there. You end up getting dead. You end up getting killed. So you have to understand. You have to understand the powers in being the mercy and the grace of God to keep us going, knowing that it's going to happen. Sooner or later, I'm going to overcome it. Now look what it says. And the, and the Father knows all hearts and know what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers, or in Greek, for God's holy people, in harmony with God's own will. And we know. See, once you become a true believer, you know that God causes everything in your life to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. Amen? When you actually grow on and become a believer, you take that to the bank and say, I know, whatever's going on, God is going to work it out for good, and there's something good that's going to come out of it, because the Bible says, if I love God, and I'm called according, and I have His purpose in my mind, He's going to work it out for me. And he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So that's how you know if you love him or not. Just because you come to church doesn't mean you love Jesus. You know what makes you love Jesus? Being obedient to what he tells you to do when you don't want to do it. That shows true love. Say, I'm going to do something against my will to please His will because I love Him more than I love me. Amen. But when I love me, His will gets in the way of mine. Amen. See? Go to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to have to stay a little bit longer because we started a little bit later. Is that alright with you guys? 
See, that's how you know you're a believer too, when you don't want to go home. There ain't nothing there. There ain't nothing there. Well, you're saying, well, what time is it? Oh, well, that TV show's on. I don't want to miss that tonight. Oh, boy. You've got something wrong with your heart, man. If you're in church waiting for that to happen, you better check. A lot of people deceive themselves thinking that, like, they put church time in as like, oh, this is church time. Okay, now it's my time. That's like, no, it doesn't work that way. No. Thank God I'm gracious. I'll keep you here for a couple hours. You'd be really, you'd be really like, what's he doing? I said, I'm testing you. God told me to do it. Keep them. See if they're where their heart really is. See where their heart really is. Mark chapter 10. Look at verse 27. Verse 27, Mark 10. Jesus looked at them intently. I mean, he looked at them intently. That means with seriousness. He said, humanly speaking, it's impossible. Remember, he was telling if you give up your life, and he was talking about the rich man, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get into the heaven. And if you give up your brother, your sister, your mother, for my, and, you, and he's saying, then who the heck can be saved? Jesus said, it's impossible. But with God, everything is possible. With God. Then Peter began to speak up. Here it is. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you, here's a believer now, a real believer, that everyone who has given up the house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or property, for the sake, for my sake, and for the good news, will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property. But he added something to it, along with persecution. So that means persecution is actually a gift. You know why persecution is a gift? Because if you get persecuted, people are actually seeing Jesus. If you're getting persecuted, people are seeing Jesus. That's why. It's a gift. You've actually came to the place he wants you to be. Because you're going to get persecuted. When you become like Christ down here, it's so dark that you're going to get hammered and talked about and spit at and hated because they see light. Because you gave up your life for him. And it'll show. Now look what it says. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. All right, so the Spirit creates a community of faith to nurture us. This is the community. The Spirit makes the Word become alive and powerful in us. The Spirit pours out God's love into our hearts. The Spirit enables us to joyfully to abandon ourselves to God. To daily put to death the works of our fallen nature daily, and to be progressively transformed into the likeness of Jesus himself. That's what the Holy Spirit's work is. But he's so gentle. Jesus, look, Jesus is easier on me than I am. Every time I fail or I get hard on myself and I'm saying, Lord, please don't let that happen because then I'm going to be hard on other people. Please. 
Go easy on me. Let me go easy on me. So I can go easy on my brothers and sisters and they can see you. They can show grace and mercy when I don't deserve it. Remember, grace is easy. Mercy is giving somebody something they don't deserve. You definitely deserve punishment, but I'm giving you mercy and giving you a pass. That's mercy. That's hard. Grace is easier. See, mercy is not giving somebody something they do deserve, like judgment and harshness and cruelty. See, grace is not give, is getting something, is just, you're getting something you don't deserve. But somebody, mercy is giving somebody something that they definitely don't deserve. And they did something outrightly to hurt you. And you actually gave them a pass like Jesus gives you one. That takes big boy and girl stuff. That takes growth. Yeah, it does. All right. Let's go to Hebrews 4. Does it mean the lights seem like they're flickering? Spirits. The spirits are out, man. I'm telling you, be careful when you leave. Trust me. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. A lot of crazies out there right now. Yeah. Oh, definitely. How could we not expect it on, on the... On the Forget, hint it, forget. <laughs> the devil's lifting his chops tonight. But let me tell you something. Beyond all that, right? God's coming at 514 Smithfield Avenue saying, Well done, my good and faithful yeah. servants. Well done. The angels are clapping right now for us. Saying, you're not letting that bother you. You're coming to worship me anyway. That's glorious and stuff. That's priceless. This is priceless. The soldiers, when they're in the battle, just say, you know what? I'm here for, I'm in, I'm in the battle. For, I'm, a, I'm a soldier for Christ, man. I ain't, I ain't giving into that nonsense. All right, look at verse 12, for Hebrews 4. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. No. A two-edged sword is so sharp. I mean, you could throw a piece of paper in the air and go, and cut it right in half. That's how sharp it is. And his word is sharper than that. It's sharper than the five-blade fusion five. <laughs> and let me tell you that. And ain't nothing on earth sharper than that blade. Trust me. And he's sharper than that. Because it ain't from earth. It's from God. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it down to reality. Take it from somebody who knows how sharp the razors are. <laughs> Between the <laughs> love Jesus, right? It's not look, God never takes away our personalities. He uses them to glorify him. Every each one of us has a unique personality, and God gives us a special gift to use that personality to bring others in. Very simple. Never tell. He doesn't tell you to be. Oh, oh, what kind of church is that? That's not church. That's religion. Jesus said, "Come as you are." <laughs> All right. Look what it says. Between soul and spirit. Look, two ways. Cutting between soul and spirit. We just talked about that. 
Right? Between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. That means the flesh. See, it cuts through it all. It's the Word of God that cuts through it all. And that's what makes us complete. It's the Word of God that completes us. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He's the one to whom we are accountable. You know when you're alone and nobody sees anything? He does. And your conscience convicts you, and it doesn't matter who's around. He's the one you're naked and exposed before Him, and the best thing that could happen is that conscience stops you from doing it when nobody's around. Because He's right there with you. It's alive and powerful, stopping you from using your sin nature. When you can use it. When desire, opportunity, right? And temptation meet. You being able to not do it. Because you're not going to do it here. Well, most people won't. Some people do. But we're talking about the secret stuff. When you really have the opportunity to do your will. And you say, no, I ain't doing it. Jesus is right next to you. It's so alive because you're so engrossed with the word of God in you. You can't do it. It's like he's right there with you. Like Jesus right there looking at you. You really got to go do that? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're going to try to do it, right? Somebody's staring at you in the face. Don't worry. Somebody's still there when you go do it. That's alive and powerful. You want that. You see, the Holy Spirit, you want that in your life to help you overcome. your sin nature. Other than that, you never will. If God doesn't come real and alive to you in them times, you'll never be able to overcome it. Because that's the time when you do the wrong thing. When nobody's around. Hello. We're all people. We all know each other here. We all know. Whenever you're going to do something wrong, you make sure nobody's around. But guess what? You can't get rid of God. He's always around. (laughs) I like that. Because I know how bad I am. See, when you know how bad you are, you know that you need him around all the time, so he keep you in line. You can't, like, close the Bible. See, when the Bible becomes part of you, you can't close it until you can go do your dirty deeds. You can't because the Bible's in you now. You can't close the book no more. That's how you become mature. And that's how you become a believer and an overcomer. That's a process. Amen. Now it says, let's keep going. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one whom we're accountable. Now look at verse 14. Christ is our high priest. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Thank you, Jesus. He understands them. Look at it. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And he says, I'm going to come into you and make you able to do it. I'm going to do for you what you can never do for yourself. Overcome your sin nature. Then it says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it the most. 
You see, when you want to do something that's against God's will, we don't go to the throne. We don't go to the foot of the cross. We walk away from it. He's saying, come to the throne where you'll receive the grace and the mercy to not do it. The devil wants you to feel guilty and shameful. Say, I can't go to God with this. But he wants you to come to him so you can overcome it. Because he knows your weaknesses better than people do. I get an amen for that. Thank you. Don't you really understand Jesus? There ain't no problem coming to him whatever's wrong with you. He knows what's wrong with you. Thank you, Jesus. And he's teaching me what's wrong with me. Because I didn't know what was wrong with me. Because I always looked at what was wrong with you. Jesus says, I'm going to turn that around and show you what's wrong with you. Whatever you're seeing in them is you. But that's not me. I never did that. No, it's you. And once you can see that, then you can overcome it. As long as you keep saying, I'm not that bad, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. When you compare yourself to someone else, you're in trouble. When you compare yourself to Jesus, you give everybody grace and mercy because we're all sinners and fall. You give, you give the people that you don't like grace, you give people you do like grace, you give yourself grace, you give everybody grace because now you realize we're all the same. We all need a Savior. Who am I to judge someone else's children? He says, I saved them all. Leave them alone. I'll fix them. The Holy Spirit fixes us. It's best to let the Holy Spirit do the work. And you're not trying to form them, make them into your image. Amen? Or what you think they should be. Or what they should act. Let me tell you something. God's the one to get them to church. The best thing you can do is ask them to break them. Because that's what gets people to church. Brokenness. Not blessings. You know when people say, oh, pray for them because they're sick? And every, No, you pray that they get broken and come to Jesus, the Savior. Because the sickness is what brings them to Him. If you, make, if you pray for a healing, they're going to heal and go on their way. But if you pray that God sends them, that sickness brings them closer to Jesus, is really what you should be praying for because that's why God inflicted them. Remember, remember the um, when um they, they asked him, Gee, why why was it that guy's sins that made him that way? And he said, no, that was to glorify God. I made him blind, so he can come to me. You see. So if you're gonna pray for somebody that's not a believer, pray that God brings them to believe in it through their sickness, because that's the only time usually people will come. Remember when all the resources are gone, the doctor says. There's no hope for you. You tried everything. Not working. Now what? There's no hope. The pe- doctors can't help you. The people next to you can't help you. Who's left? Who's left? Jesus. Exactly. That's the best thing. Even if God takes them, at least they'll see it then and go home. But if you try to just pray, oh, pray that they get better, Lord, please, and then go out and do the... That's not helping them. You're actually hindering them. Again, amen? We have to understand how God works. Amen? All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that. Oh, there's a little... There's more to come. We're not done with this message yet. I thought we were going to get done, but we are. Next, next time we might, if the devil doesn't try to hinder it. 
He's not. He ain't getting in. <laughs> Why isn't he getting in over here? Because we have truth. And we have light. And it overcomes the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Not even the fire alarm. Amen. All right, we're going to stand, worship the Lord. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we're going to close. We're back on 46. Back on 46. You want to come up and close us in prayer? Amen. Thanks, Cindy. All right.
Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night. Till we meet again. God bless. Peace. 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 <laughs>